Wow. Live from wherever we are. It's the ESG Industries only weekly woke data podcast featuring BS man Matt Muscardi. Woohoo! <laughs> you're a little, you're hopped up. It's all fake. Came out of the gate hot. It's called fake energy in today's extra super nerdy gas. Actually, that's a very good description of the ESG for this week called. April 26, 2023, we have a nerdy ESG headline roundup, a nerdy look at over 20 recent annual meeting votes, and a nerdy anti-ESG roundup from the anti-ESG intelligentsia. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that an oxymoron? Can we end the show now? I don't have the energy for this. It is a lot of things that you just said that you I know you hate. Our show today is being sponsored by S-Gage, your ESG data solutions provider. They are that. Let's do this show because it seems like there's 300 things to get Random. <laughs> you're way, you're way out <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Random ESG headlines in no particular order. Ready, Matt? Okay. Hit it. Can we blame stock buybacks for our now useless pile of Bed Bath & Beyond 20% off coupons? Is that a real headline? Actually, it is. I like that headline. Uh, and It's very confusing. What do you think the answer is? Uh, we... Sh- we Can we ban... Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that simple. <laughs> the popular <laughs> opinion is they could not compete online. But Matt, let me tell you one of the reasons why they couldn't compete online is because... Their their new the 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 last failure of an idiotic CEO Mark Tritton, who came over from yeah. Target as the chief. That's not the cleanup CEO, right? The Glass Cliff CEO. This is no. The this one. is the guy they really thought because he was chief merchandising officer at Target. So they really thought this is our winner. This is our smiley guy, our smiley winner. He came in and what did he do? He spent one point five billion dollars on stock buybacks. All right. Could, you know what's a good idea? Yeah. When you have no money spending $1.5 billion Especially on when you're, you're failing to compete online and you could invest online. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this? taking $1 billion and putting it into you know, some insane. sort of R&D? Amazing. Uh, this is the same guy, Matt. Remember a month ago we reported he's suing Bed Bath & Beyond for failing to honor his $7 million severance agreement. The same guy. Aww. Same guy. Oh, he failed. He failed, and then he sued. All right, moving on. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a great one, Matt. I, I I hope you love this as much as I do. I don't know why I love this so much. I, I I'm excited. Here's a the article is called ESG is bad for a company's share value. Oh. <laughs> Uh, sorry to listeners. If you're not a super nerdy ESG person, just you can just download the show and mark it as played. Pretend that you listen to it. It's fine. You can move no, on. No, every time. Look, if you're not an ESG person, yep. you listen to this show. Wednesday. First of all, congratulations. Well, Wednesday in Se- particular is tough. <laughs> Second of all, just replace the word ESG with balloons. What da- <laughs> data and moon cycles? No, it's it's. Yeah, just data is bad for a company's share value. That's what it's. I just love this. That's this is from David Henderson. This is just. A, I already don't like. I it. just love the idiocy of this article. I really do. I really love it. He says this is okay. So this article is in response to the observation that ESG investing does not appear to hurt shareholder value, 
based on real life data, that annualized oh. return was 0.02% higher for the S&P 500 ESG index than the S&P 500, right? Got it? That's just oh. real life data. Wait a second. The headline says is bad. So here's his, this is, here's a quote from the article. David Henderson said in response to that, quote, the evidence on shareholder returns is not evidence, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's what got me going. I just love that. So his theory in this article is based on his understanding of event studies, right? Oh, event boom. studies about how they affect the market, right? Mar events that affect, directly affect the market. And he said, again, in I'm quoting from the article, he said, I'm going from memory here about what I learned <laughs> in the mid to late 1970s. Wow. So his understanding of this subject wow. matter really? is based on 50 year old Good. events. Yeah. yeah. No, no, 50 year old. His memory of 50 year old <laughs> event studies is not even the study. You didn't even look you it up. You didn't look up studies. Didn't even look it up. You didn't even look it up. So you didn't even bother. And here's his bizarre theory. This is how much people don't understand ESG, but still write articles about it. And he was recently in the Wall Street Journal uh, complaining about this crap. Here we go. His theory is that, again, I'm quoting, if firms decide without warning that they will go ESG. Oh. What does that even mean? Can we, can, can we just go Companies ESG? are going to go ESG? I don't even know what that means. Okay. Well, the acronym means Environmental, Social, and Governance, and it's a series of data that you actually disclose. So does he mean go what? disclose ESG what? data? They go that? <laughs> he claims that this creates uncertainty about what steps the company will follow. I am uncertain. And that the market will adjust to that because of the new uncertainty because they decided to go ESG. And he says that that the market v value of the firms that haven't made such an announcement but instead have announced that they won't do ESG will also be adjusted. So what he's saying is that the companies that announce that they will go ESG will cause uncertainty in the market and it's relative to the companies that decide that they won't do ESG. Again, I'm quoting. Is this his memory of the 1970s? What the hell is study? he talking about, Matt? Why is this guy allowed to exist? What is this? I mean, all right. If we're going to break it down for realsies, what he seems to be saying Killing is me. because companies dis, dis, like put out an ESG report, <laughs> yeah. it contrasts them against companies that don't put out an uh -huh. ESG report. Sure. And the market likes like the report and there's more volatility sure. and uncertainty about who's going to do this next. And then that means the ESG companies get a slight edge somehow there, that seems but matt there is there's not a lot of math behind what he's saying despite the, the guy who said the evidence on shareholder returns is not evidence there's no evidence of what you're saying he doesn't provide any evidence that the market reacts in any way to what he's saying i would love if in a court of law he was like the evidence of the murder that my client did is not evidence of a murder this is wall street journal just level anti-esg reporting i'm just telling you where did he write this? Magic? David Henderson. I don't know. It was, it was a. He wrote it in. He wrote it on oh, econlib.org. Econ oh, whew. moving on. Yeah, it's like you stole my bit. The anti-ESG. I just thought that was so funny. I just thought. <laughs> I'm really sorry, good. but this quote: "The evidence on shareholder returns is not evidence." But that's their whole. <laughs> that's their whole. That strives. And Vivek Ramaswamy, their whole basis of anti-ESG is that is its negative effect, its drain on shareholder returns, right? That's their whole yeah. reasoning. But he's With nothing to cite, no thing. He's conveniently throwing out this one 
bit of evidence saying it's not evidence. His evidence is my memory from the 70s. <laughs> Next headline, <laughs> which is missing the point in the world of ESG, S&P 500 CEO pay growth slows, okay? This is from a that sounds incorrect. report from ISS Corporate Solutions. They're saying that the median pay increase was, was uh, only up 3.1%, which is down from last year. Bonus and so annual pay was down, but median stock awards and median option awards both up 10%. So again, oh, they're just completely whoops. missing, <laughs> once I mean, again, just missing the whole story. How here. is the, how's the headline that it, their pay growth slows when they're going to make more money than yes. they ever did? That's just, Matt, you're <laughs> correct. The, the headline should be, when the market is failing, CEOs will cash in. Yes. Right. So what they did was give themselves cheaper options yes. on something they know is going to rebound while they're still CEO. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Well, you get it. Yeah. Well, that was from my memory of a paper I read <laughs> in the 80s. Next. Where... Something we don't talk about here. LGBTQ plus board representation. I mean, I mean, mostly because how would we really talk about it? We don't really have the data set. Right. Am I wrong? There's do some, we? but not much. Do we no, even have it at the S&P 500 level? Uh, it's non-identifiable usually. Okay. No, we don't have We don't have it. We might have a partner that can get it. Well, I we hope we do because I want to talk about this more. This is a report out of the from the Association of LGBTQ Plus Corporate Directors. They claim that it's the lowest represented minority group at only 0.6% of all seats. And they're comparing that to black directors at 11%, Asian directors at 6%, and Latino at 5%. That sounds probably right. Do you want to know? Although, yeah, go ahead. Do they have the data? I mean, why don't we get the data from them? It appears they do based on surveys. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably listening, so they should reach out to us. Yes, yeah. reach out to so us, we don't, please. I don't know if we're going to reach out to them. That's correct. Do you want to know the three? There are three clear causes of their exclusion. Okay. One, the lost generation, which means that, that like for, my grandfather. Yes, exactly. That means basically forever until you know a couple of days ago, everyone hated gay people. Well, <laughs> you're mean, laughing, but that's true. I, yeah, I mean, I'm laughing because to call it the lost generation, it actually really minimize. It's the lost millennia. Right. Uh, two, there was a focus on gendered industries, meaning that there's skewed concentrations in certain industries. That's that's true. Yes, you can see that. And finally, and I, the reason why I even bring up the story is that because it, I, you know because I try to bring up things that relate to us. But there is a a, a significant network gap. Oh, there it is. That's it. Uh, according to their data. While only 3% of existing LGBTQ plus directors, respondents serve uh, on their nominating committee, 40% reported gaining their first seat because they knew someone on the nominating committee, right? Oh, so you see what bingo. I'm, see what we're getting at here, right? Yeah, I see what we're getting at. You're getting at the fact that we have the data around this and that we can show it to you. And finally, because I know you're, I think you're talking a little bit about Strive Asset Management. I wanted to point this out. Damn. This article called, uh, this is from the uh, Corporate Governance Law Blog Review, blah, 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 Harvard. It's hard. It says Harvard. That's all that really matters. It doesn't matter. Sure, everything says Harvard now. The board's oversight of employee voice. That's the that's the article. Again, I'm sorry. This is a very nerdy episode of Yeah, it's, I'm fans. bored. You just bored me. 
There's a report out of State Street Global Advisors, Russell Reynolds, Ford Foundation. They did a C-suite survey asking them what they think are the top three stakeholder groups. Okay. Okay. In order, they are. And again, this is to refute Strive Asset Management's point that the only thing you should be looking at is what? Shareholders, right? That's the only thing companies should ever be paying attention to, right? Right, okay. But, but this is from the C-suites themselves. They say the three most important stakeholder groups are consumers and customers. Yeah. Number one. Number two, employees. That's number okay. two, yeah. Matt. Sure. Number two, okay. employees. Yeah. And then number three is investors. Oh. So I so, so I think look, Strive can just stop. They're wrong. They only surveyed woke companies. That's all I'm saying. Okay, sure. Whatever you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I remember this... I was in a class mm -hmm. at 9 a.m. in 1993 in which they mentioned this. So yeah, that's that's my evidence. So the, the idiocy that, that excellence equates to only paying attention to investors is, is just like a, what is that? It's an old idiocy. dusty. I believe idiocy. it's idiocy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on, Matt, because nobody else wants to, I looked at 22, the votes at 22 annual meetings. Oh, yeah. Bring on the meetings. <laughs> I feel embarrassed about this. I had good intentions here. I really did. I have the proof that I looked at all 22 because I just do. I've even given you the links. But I'm going to tell you, despite this revolution going on of woke people taking over corporations and woke corporations and all these woke votes and all this blah, 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 the blah, woke blah. revolution, baby. Matt, it's happening now. I'm going to tell you, I, I got the data to prove that at, at least at these 22 companies, there's nothing happening. Oh, by so wait, we're going to talk about nothing happening for the next 10 minutes. By, no, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to truncate this, but by large margins, shareholders vote with management. Oh, that's what's really uh, happening. There's no, there's no wait. like conspiracy with BlackRock and Larry Fink. There's nothing weird going on where corporations are being taken over by AOC or Bernie or Larry Fink. I don't even know. Tell who. me, please tell me that the evidence you have that investors vote with management is evidence. The, the, the actual evidence is votes. <laughs> oh, I don't. That doesn't feel like evidence to me. I, I mean, Matt, I, I'll wait. To, I'll reserve judgment. I looked at twenty-two meetings. Here's I got very little to say. I'll quickly try to go through them. I'm I'm gonna skip all the ones that were, were really absolutely. Just give me one liners. Going on. Here's some outliers. Workers. Carnival Corporation. The only interesting thing is two directors had over ten percent votes. Oh, oh yeah. Um, while in Eisenberger. Yeah. And Strive was against Weisenberger before a while. So so it sounds like Strive is being woke by Strive is because I, management supported Weisenberger, but and management is woke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, according to our data, Matt, if you're really upset at somebody here at Carnival Corporation, you should aim your vote at Mickey Arison, who controls 64 percent of board influence and has a uh, TSR batting average of 125. 120. That's really bad, right? Just so you know, the the whole board is bad at this, but the rest of the board is actually 226. So Mickey actually just sucks the most. Wow, 125 is abysmal. It's bad. So, like that's like that's like it's like giving Aaron Rodgers a 40-year contract at the Jets and expecting him when he's 73 to actually be any good. That's abysmal. That's yeah, real bad. Yeah, it's real bad. You got anything to say um, about Mickey voted for Mickey. Four more. Four <laughs> <laughs> KB Home. Um, 
again, nothing really going on. One director, Weaver. Uh, I don't even know his first name. That's how boring this guy is. He got 14% of the vote against. Our data suggests there's no reason for this. Yeah, Strive agrees. He vote, they voted for Weaver. Okay. Uh, 19% voted against pay. Strive is always against pay. They don't want to pay anybody. Have you I, Having looked through the anti-wokes votes, they uniformly think no one anywhere should get paid. No one should get paid, according no to Strive. Code. Let's move on. Uh, oh, uh, L3 Harris Technologies. 37% of shareholders voted yes on a shareholder proposal asking for transparency in regard to lobbying. Do we know who filed that proposal? Because Strive was for it, and I don't think they would be for it if it was from nuns. Uh, as I move on, you can you can Google that in the background if you want. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Adobe. Again, again, I'm I'm summing up because there's nothing happening at these meetings. Everyone votes for management at, at Adobe. Twelve uh, percent voted against pay, but that's really nothing to write home about. It's pretty boring. Here's the one that's kind of interesting, I suppose. There was, I've never seen this report, Matt. There was a shareholder proposal asking for a report on hiring of persons with arrest or incarceration records. I saw that. That yeah. is the weirdest proposal that I think I've seen in a while. 17% said yes. And, and Strive was one of them. Here's the thing. Yes. Isn't that a woke ask? No, I th actually, no, because I think that it, I think there's some kind of racism going on here where Strive is trying to identify people who've committed crimes. And we know in the in the U.S., the United States, the rate of incarceration is skewed very heavily against people of color. So maybe this is some kind of backdoor racist action from Strive. They want wow. to know. So it's like an, a reverse, reverse racial equity audit. Even though asking the company to report on anything is bad, right? That's my point. Like, what? Well, they they voted on two proposals of the twenty-two. Yes, to to a report. And isn't that a waste of shareholder money? Isn't yeah, that, how does this benefit shareholders? So, to explain to me how this benefits shareholders. Strive. How does knowing how many incarcerated or arrested people working at a company benefits shareholders? Explain that. At Humana, one director got over 10%. That's the D'Amelio. Okay. No, I don't care about that. I got a okay. better choice according to our data. Kurt Hilsinger, he has the same amount of tenure, but his career earnings batting average is a very, very, very sad 0 0.094. <laughs> That's real bad. This is compared to D'Amelio, who has a, his at 445, but he's actually the fourth best on the team. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. I have an update I, on the transparency, the lobbying from L3. The filer was not reported. They didn't say who oh. they were. So um, I have no idea who they were. But it does look like they mention the business roundtable in there and how they're a member of the business roundtable. So it's probably secretly an anti-woke file. Okay. Finally, Centerpoint Energy. Again, there's nothing really going on. By and large, out of these 22 companies, everybody votes for management. There's no woke conspiracy going on in corporate America. Larry Fink is actually not the devil. He's not controlling the world. Says you. Uh, Director Cummings got over 10%. According to our data, a much, much better choice would be Philip Smith, who had a oh, like lower answer. company average, lower earnings, and TCR average. Wow, I like that.
Yeah, vote that guy out. He stinks at his job. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to give you ways you could use our data. We have uh, batting averages. Is that the right word? We have batting that's, average. That's our word, yeah. Which uh, rates the performance of individual directors on the board, not only for the boards they're sitting on, but for all the boards they sit on. So if you really want to make intelligent decisions about who you're voting for, don't just get triggered because it's a woman. Look at, look at their actual performance. Come on. Do well, get I know Strive because they're a woman. Strive tends to vote against more women than against more men, right? Yeah, they do. Because women are woke. Well, we actually we have actual performance data, so reach out to us. That's it. That's, that's all I have. That's all enough. Right. That's plenty. Yeah, help us do something exciting now because this was <laughs> a rough it's, day for me. <laughs> I thought, I you were, Matt, you got to give me, I, I thought out of 22 companies, I thought I'd find something interesting. Literally, you're, if you could see Damien's production notes, they are Sucks. boring, boring, basically boring, extra, extra boring. boring. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't do extra boring from no. Lucid Group where Chabi Nori yeah. had 0.00226665127% votes withheld. Right. That seems that's pretty that's, boring. <laughs> that seems like entertainment that the people right. are demanding. What do you got? Come on. All right, I got an anti-ESG roundup from the anti-ESG intelligentsia, and it okay. starts with this red hot anti-ESG take. Oh, good. Here's the headline: Rupert. Uh, well, this isn't the headline. This is this is the gist of the story. Yep. Rupert fires Tucker Carlson because he was hurting Fox's ESG scores. <laughs> Come on, that's not a real article. This is, is a real story and yeah. a real real from Forbes. From, on Forbes, by a contributor, yeah. um, a guy this named isn't John. This is your daughter's McGowan. blog. This is from Forbes. So, um, John McGowan, who calls himself effectively a legal scholar around ESG, and. Uh-huh. He, he routinely goes around. He well, he offers services like being a paid expert on ESG legal issues. Okay. This is not for fake. This is pa- for real. Which is basically a paid hater, right? Well, he he does the the he does it the smarter way. Okay. This is why it's the intelligentsia because he he has cultivated this persona like he's neither for nor against ESG. He simply is discussing the legalities and the implications of ESG. I love it, but. He's wrong about ESG almost entirely. Everything he says is pretty much wrong and is very anti-ESG. First, in this article, he sets out how Carlson hated ESG. He talks about Vivek Ramaswamy and Carlson. Here's a quote. Carlson did numerous segments echoing Ramaswamy's statements, railing against the concept and attributing many of our world's problems to the concept. Well, it's, it's fair to point out two of the names that we talk about a lot in this program. First of all, we have an ongoing segment where we make fun of Tucker Carlson. We used to. It called ESG Tucker. ESG Cucker Tarlson, right? Cucker Tarlson, yeah. Second of all, we had Vivek Ramaswamy, the, the, the crown prince of anti-ESG, on this show. And Matt, the the day that Tucker Carlson got fired, who was his guest? Who was his booked guest for that his evening? His booked guest was Vivek Ramaswamy. It was Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like our correct. world is like... Co- colliding here at this weird and moment. And we didn't even talk about Tucker getting fired or Don Lemon getting fired because it feels like it happened like 100 years ago now already. It's not really the, the industry that we cover, although I guess we except should, right? That, except that that is basically the apology to Dominion, isn't it? Uh, that's what we are speculating around here. By we, I mean me and you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, make Jesse it sound like there's more... <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, so next up in this article, what you need to do is find a Jew to blame oh, for thanks. this concept. Great. Great. This, yes. this is heartwarming. In February 2023, BlackRock disclosed that its investments in Class A Fox Corporation stock had increased to 15%. Oh. Okay. That's not a majority, but enough to get a seat at the table. So now we're insinuating that BlackRock is involved with no evidence is, that BlackRock is involved. This is from the, the article. This is from the article. That's do a quote we, from the article. Do we know what it increased from? We don't, and okay, it doesn't it matter like because that's their 15, class A. They have, have no, <laughs> they have no voting no rights. Power, right? Like no power. it's like the Murdochs own the company. Yes, it's the Murdochs company. Of course. So they could own 100 percent of the class A, and it wouldn't make a difference. Yep. Wouldn't make a difference to the Murdochs at all. They wouldn't care. So that is dumb. But they do discuss like the share price was down, and maybe it's like this insinuation. McGowan's insinuating BlackRock somehow involved you have in Tucker to. Carlson. You right? have to. You have to name drop BlackRock. Of course, blame Fink. Blame. Yep. Blame. Mm -hmm. uh, blame. Blame the shadowy Jew in New York. That's what they're doing, right? Finally. Say that it's all a conspiracy, or at least insinuate that it is. Quote, while Carlson uh, may have ha been great for ratings on Fox News, it is possible his overall impact to the ESG scores of the parent company outweighed the ratings. <laughs> Come on. He may have become an ESG liability. Oh, my God. I mean, That's how? a real quote from a real quote-unquote <laughs> ESG legal scholar on a real place in Forbes. And I, as someone who was an ESG loser, ESG ratings loser analyst for many years, where exactly does that show up in the score? Is there like a... There's the, there's the, the, there's a the 8 p.m. The 8 p.m. news host wears a bow tie that's too tight. Is that a reduction? That's a an adjustment on the we score. Used okay. We used to have a zero to ten box where we change that, move that lever. Yeah, this is I, great. Honestly, this is great reporting out of Forbes. Pretending that Rupert Murdoch even knows what his ESG scores sure. are is uh, the comedy of that's that. Fun. Like that is so absurd. By the but way, this yeah yeah. I was going to say congratulations to to John McGowan because I just did a quick look at the at the report and you're not wrong, Matt. He mentions BlackRock, but he he also mentions Larry Fink. And as we've said before, when people mention State Street or Vanguard, do we ever hear the CEO's <laughs> name ever? No, 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 because like Vanguard CEO's Mortimer, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, but he had I mean, to slip in Larry Fink into that article. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's, but here, this is what the anti-ESG intelligentsia are doing so well. John okay. McGowan, legal, legal ESG scholar. According this is him. not his first rodeo. He's yeah. writing a ton of articles for Forbes and all over the place. Yes. This is a trend he repeats. This is from a Chicago Law Review article he did mm -hmm. where he suggests something is a passing thought without evidence, which sounds familiar from David Henderson. <laughs> he says, quote, yeah. in jurisdictions where fiduciary duty is extended only to shareholders, the justification of a trade-off of profits for ESG priorities becomes less viable. So he's saying that when you do ESG, it costs you profits. There's no evidence for that no. anywhere. But There's, that's the thing you say, man. That you just say that and that's then a it winning, becomes a thing. It's a winning argument. With, I mean, F the evidence. It's a winning the, moment. And now he can make that thing that he has no evidence for incredibly scary with no evidence. Quote, in the meantime, directors and managers who trade profits for ESG are doing so at their own peril. Trade profits for ESG. I love that. So he's saying, like, you're doing the ESG. Now you're doing it at your own legal peril. So you better, mm -hmm. you know, just take that into account. Mm -hmm. And no, he's not biased against ESG. He's just saying. I'm just, just saying. Just saying, yeah. Just saying, right? Like. 
Um, and this isn't the only time he does this. He's got a hot take on a shell lawsuit in the UK okay. where he talks about how climate change um, short of regulations, quote, short of regulations, clearly stating that climate change cannot be a factor in profit calculations. There's not a lot that can be done to stop the theory if it takes hold. So basically saying if unless governments step in and say climate change isn't going to affect your profits, the narrative is taken over. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. And he can also say, and what is, this is where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. He turned me on to my new favorite piece of legislation oh. ever written anywhere about ESG. Okay. Here's his story. John McGowan, Forbes. Is ESG driving Florida's homeowner's insurance crisis? Ooh, I, I'm glad you bring this up because I was going to tell you that I was going to ask you, I was going to quiz you. What state do you think that John McGowan practices law? If you had to name oh, Florida, one out of yeah, 50 states. That's, <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. Tallahassee, Tallahassee, I believe, yeah. is where he's from. No, Florida. I think it's I think it's uh, Jacksonville, but who cares? Keep going. Yeah, yeah I think you actually might be right. Industry experts, quote, industry experts have stated that ESG is a natural fit for the insurance industry as their calculations of risk already include environmental considerations. However, however, Mm -hmm. there is a question as to if those calculations are going beyond known risk and moving towards pushing environmental action onto consumers. So now he's insinuating that an insurer is making you pay more because environmental issues are political. Okay. That's, I guess, his insinuation. That's what he meant. That's what known risk means. Known risk is like, he, is he like old school financial metrics, right? Well, he has to cop to the fact that environmental considerations mm-hmm. are a risk to your property. Like, you can't. Of course, especially like, in Florida. Everywhere. At yeah. least you can't say that it's not. But now he can just say, he can just insinuate. There's no evidence of this anywhere ever, obviously. Except for 99.9% of scientific uh, research. <laughs> Except for the paper he remembers from the 70s. Yeah. There, the Now he's going to say that, no, the insurers are going farther than that and pushing a, a political agenda through their insurance premiums. Okay. That's basically what he's saying, right? So I th- think what he's saying is that Larry Fink owns the insurance companies. Is that what he's saying? He doesn't mention that here, okay. but I'm he sure could. maybe he, he could. He could. He, he could if he wanted to. Which brings me to the link. He says, like, this is the trend, and this is something that like is happening. Okay. There is God. I I hope this passes. This would make me so happy. Yeah. In Texas, North Dakota, and two other states that no one cares about. They are moving to ban ESG in in insurance. Meaning what exactly? So here's the text Uh from the Texas bill. Sounds like a terrible idea. This sounds like it's only going to hurt the the insurers. I I just want you to picture picture this when when I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Texas bill would prohibit any limitation on insurers insuring fossil fuel companies because for the following reasons, quote, solely because the risks are related to fossil fuel-based energy. So you're not allowed to look at anything that's a risk unless it's solely a fossil fuel-based energy risk. Okay. And they want to ban all consideration of ESG in the insurance underwriting process. can Can you elaborate a bit more before we wrap up? What does that mean exactly? Well, what that means is... Oh, well, let's let's just ban the E. Okay, let's do it. Okay. 
So property insurance, you ban the E. You can't use environmental considerations in flood insurance anymore. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm completely <laughs> dumb. I, I'm, I'm like literally dumbfounded. I, I, That's what I'm serve? talking about. Other than the political theater of this, what is, who does this serve? I mean, I guess it serves the, who does it serve? It doesn't serve anybody. I mean, you, you yeah. basically, what you've done, the, the, you fire insurance. Fire is woke. You can't, we can't. We can't consider like drought so the, or potential the wildfires in California. That's a woke concept. No, no, we can't. You can't model that risk, like you can't this, model, because right. it's an environment. Which is all insurance E-N-S companies do is model risks. Yeah, ESG. That's what that is. Right. S. Life insurers. Okay, they they didn't specify a type of insurance. A life insurer cannot consider obesity in an actuarial table. This is this is uh, this is true, or this is you making this, this is up? what they're proposing to ban. Oh they're proposing so to ban ESG yeah. considerations uh-huh. in insurance. Uh, ESG considerations. That's what I'm listing. Like okay. obesity is an ESG data point. So basically, they they now when they think of ESG, they think of like a, a drag show, like a grooming drag they literally, show. They, yeah, that's it. It's just, it's, just it's, like a, this it's George Soros Q-Anon, and Larry Fink watching drag, forcing conspiracy. children to watch drag. That's sure. what, <laughs> that's what ESG wow. is. Uh, and to, to boot, <sighs> the Texas bill that's up, that's being proposed is a staggering one page long. Oh, there we go. Because well, we're page. right, but how could it be more than one page? It's basically just you cannot. What use are they going to cite for this? I mean, how are how are they going to create evidence to support this? How could it be more than one page? It's one of the. I really so if it passes, it would make me so happy. Where is this? This is in multiple states or just multiple Texas? states have okay. it proposed. They haven't they haven't finalized it wow. yet. But if it were to pass, this. Like, say it passes in Texas. Mm-hmm. Zero insurers could insure anything in Texas because yes. all of them use just massive amounts of data that is not like it's ESG data. Uh, like, you couldn't, uh, if you were a lawyer, general counsel at like, you know, you know, pick an insurer, you know, Swiss Re, mm-hmm. you cannot go into a place like Texas and say that you don't use ESG data to underwrite. Every piece of property, any life insurance that you might underwrite, anything that you might do, right? It's all ESG data. So they would have to pull out. Texas would literally have to, which would mean in order to insure anyone, Texas would have to socialize insurance. Right. Texas would become socialists to deal with their own ban on ESG and socialism. And I know the answer I know the answer to this question is no, but in this one page build, do they even identify all the ESG data that they can't use to identify a risk? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm, I'm I'm interested in that actual list. I mean, I don't know what anyone thinks it means anymore ESG. It just means if it's real if you once you go outside, is that ESG data? Like That's if an ESG acorn data, falls yeah. on your head, is that ESG yeah. data? I don't understand if anything. You write, if you write down somewhere that an acorn fell on my head, you've, you've created right, that, ESG data. Or if you have a feeling about something, that's also ESG data. If you mm, cry it, or, or... If you cry, that's okay, but don't write that down. Don't, don't have a diary. Okay. No diaries. Wow. That's ESG data. It's really wonderful. That is our show. I don't know. What was that today? Oh. Uh, doesn't matter. Tomorrow, we what are we doing tomorrow? Are we having some kind of a draft? 
Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a yeah. second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Stop the show. Stop the presses. Tomorrow's show. Yeah. If we are go- having yeah. the ahead. first ever, ever in the history of ever, board of directors draft. We're going to draft CEOs, chairs, lead directors, and and board directors, right? Committee chairs. And then committee chairs. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do the first three tomorrow, and then we right. have a round two coming up. This is your opportunity to hear how a super board team could get created by the people who created Board Saber Metrics. We really did a good job promoting this. We stuck at the very end of the show, right? Before. The end of the show where no one's listening, and we already had the outro music going. All right, come on, That's let's go. it. Tune in tomorrow when we do that. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>